You're listening to the Accessibility Corner on Dialogue Radio Network with your host, George Zavala. The Accessibility Corner will provide you with topics and resources for our local community of people with disabilities. The Accessibility Corner is brought to you by the law offices of Stephanie Townsend Alala and Associates. So, here we go 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Let's get the party started. Corner here on Dialogue Radio Network. And I hope everyone liked that intro. I did it myself, so with my computer not talking software. But today uh, we have the pleasure of, uh, well, first of all, uh, today is September the 7th. Uh, it's the Accessibility Corner here on Dialogue Radio Network. We're brought to you by the law office of Stephanie Townsend and Ayala. I'm sorry, Stephanie Townsend and Associate. I'm sorry about that, Miss Ayala. And of course, here in the room, we have uh, Mr. Abel Rodriguez, our tech support. Tech support is uh, Leonard Lyde, my wife, of course, Ms. Lily Moon, our special guest, and, uh, of course, myself. And uh, first of all, I um, want to say, everyone, thank you for tuning in. Uh, you can always come back here to the Dialogue Radio Network to listen to the podcast. And uh, so now that we're going to go ahead and introduce Ms. Lily Limon, she was a former city rep for District 7. She was a very good uh, advocate and champion for our community of people with disabilities, and that's why we invited her to come on. To kind of give her perspective and and to really say thank you, Miss Limon. So first of all, hello, Miss Limon. Good afternoon. How are you today, Josh? I'm doing great. Thank so, you for the invitation. Oh, Always a pleasure to be with you. Thank you, man. So just I know people know you, Miss Limon, but like, just to get that personal aspect, like just can you tell us a little background about yourself? Well, as you said, I am a retired uh, city representative. I represented uh, District 7. But my lifelong career has been in education. I'm a retired educator, worked for 29 years in the Isleta Independent School District. So a little plug for them, the district, certainly the best district in El Paso right now. I, I did that uh, you know, for 29 years. Education has always been my, my love. Uh, work with at-risk youth. I think I've always looked out for those that didn't quite fit into the regular school system, those with special needs, uh, special classes for students, and those that was a student population that I worked the most with. And so um, after life, uh, there is after life, after being a city representative, I spent three weeks on vacation in Mexico, and now just really enjoying and, uh, you know, not waking up so early, <laughs> still keeping up with things and very active. You know, I am a part of the MASI board, and certainly looking at uh, the making sure that the MAC is a reality in the city of El Paso. So that's kind of like the stuff that I've been working on lately. And what was it, what's the name of the board? MASI, which is the Mexican American Cultural Institute, which is the board of um, that is going to be um, in big part a partner private public partnership with the city of El Paso to ensure that we have a Mexican-American cultural center. And so we've been working on this. You know, it is a very slow process, but uh, we have an incredible board. Uh, uh, Congressman Silvestre Reyes is the president. Uh, Belen Robles is the secretary. And Judge Alicia Chacon is the the treasurer. And so it's a, a very strong, strong group of people. We're going to make sure, you know, just like you're working on accessibility issues, we're also working 
not only are those issues within the Abraham Chavez Theater, that those need to be repaired, those need to be done, because if you really look at the Abraham Chavez Theater, it is not ADA accessible. And so that's something that the city has overlooked for years and years and years and years. Um, And we are looking at building almost like a bustle around the Abraham Chavez Theater and then, you know, really putting the city's feet to the fire and saying, you know, this is a city-owned building. How dare it not be fully ADA accessible? So those are, you know, we're kind of championing two issues, one, the construction of the cultural center, but at the same time making sure that the city lives up to the expectations that any other business, any other venture here in El Paso is supposed to be up to. And you know, one thing I did notice when you were on the, on the council, Mr. Moore, is that you brought issues that other councils, I'm, I'm not talking bad, it's not negative, but I did notice my observation, is that you brought items to where it really affected people, like for example, I know you, you were a big champion for us, but I also noticed you're a champion for those who want a living wage. I did. Uh, you know, and I guess that's that's... That's the kind of agenda that I really was working for. I could not understand how we would provide contracts to uh, vendors and then allow them to hire um, people within our city, and they were being paid uh, $7.25 an hour. I could see some horrible disproportion of, of funding there. Um, one of the years I asked, um, there w- uh, the year that the overall increase was going to take place, and I said, don't give a salary increase to those people that have received a sizable increase in the last three years. And just in that, you looked at the top echelon, and that was enough money that could have afforded people a better salary. And mm-hmm. that just went by the wayside. I think that when the city manager was... Um, horribly awarded a $60,000 salary increase a year. You know, that was sufficient to have hired several um, employees at a $10 an hour raise. And when you look at the minimum wage and you look at the living wage, the living wage in El Paso is about between $14 and $16. But imagine a security guard at City Hall with a gun being paid $7.25. I mean, it's obscene. With it also was my big concern. We, we were giving all these incentives, incentives to businesses that, you know, wanted to work or wanted to expand. And I kept saying, we're giving this money away, and what kind of jobs are we, are we going to get in return? When you look at the inter- entertainment industry, you're going to have a very small number of people receiving a high salary, your management Who really runs and operates those businesses are young kids. And so you're paying them $7.25 an hour. And so the few at the very top and the corporate venue is certainly earning lots and lots of money and getting it off of the backs of the taxpayers of El Paso. So those are the kinds of issues. Municipal ID was very critical. It still is. I'm saddened that the council uh, members did not put that one forth, you know, to the degree that it could have been something that um, that that was of good to a lot of people. I think it was labeled an immigrant issue. It is a 
people issue. It's it's it applies to our young people who are no longer in high school and don't have an ID. People that are not maybe can't get to a Texas Department of Public Safety. Um, I mean, it applied to my mother. My mother is a resident. Um, citizen, but she no longer drives, so she really doesn't have an ID. Um, um, homeless people, just a lot of people, but it was it was you know garbed as a, an immigrant issue, and some people thought, oh, we're just going to give the house away, pretty much like DACA is is going through right now. You know the the premise that if we get rid of the eight hundred thousand DACA um, youth that that's going to solve the economy and the economic issue of joblessness in the United States. You know, that's that's not true. That's sure. crazy. It's just, you know, talk. So, yeah, those were the kinds of issues that I took on. I, I don't know if people remember this, but I was the one that brought up the restroom issue at the Placita de los Lagartos, and yes, it's sir. still going on. I mean, yep. it's like, and I thought at the time, oh, my God, my legacy is going to be restrooms at the Placita. <laughs> uh, but it just hasn't quite gotten to that point yet. Well, the thing is, and what you're saying about the ID, if you really want to take it away from immigrants, like you were saying, which is not true, it's not just immigrants, how about those with a disability? You know, those that can't leave the home or those that, like for my mom, that can't walk, that want to have, you know, be, maybe go somewhere else. So I kind of see where you're saying that. Yeah, you know? it did have a lot of uses and yes. it had a lot of potential. Um, and, and I think, unfortunately, it came too soon after a new council came in. I don't think that there was adequate time to bring it. But it also comes from the leadership. If the mayor is not in support of it, you know, the people that ran with him and are part of the of that group, they're going to vote along with him, and that's exactly what we saw. And so if it had been maybe a little bit longer time uh, for better information, then then I, it would have had a better chance. I know that I was very much one that would ask, hey, I need to know more about this. Let's postpone this. Bring it back because I don't understand it. It's critical. We can't just, you know, vote for the sake of voting. We, If we vote, we need to know what we're voting for and the consequences. Unfortunately, we've seen several issues that have been reversed now by this council. I'm looking back and I cannot think of anything that we as a council reversed from a previous council. In other words, we really took it to heart um, that whatever they had said, that, that it was a council. It was a decision. But now we've seen several things that have been overruled. So you know, we'll see how it goes. And talking about the council, Ms. Vimon, for those listeners don't realize that there's, what, six new council members? Is that, or am I off? Five or six? Uh, the, they were, well, there are three council persons. So five new ones and the mayor. So okay. you're right. It was a total of six. So what, I, what I'm trying to say with that is that under, was your being one of the, our champions in the last uh, city council, it was amazing that a lot of our issues were brought to force, brought to fruition under your council. When I say your council, because you and and mayor, the mayor were really big, big advocates. By the way, the mayor was supposed to be here, but he had a scheduling conflict. So hopefully, I'll have him on the later, later show. But you know, that's why I want listeners, listeners to know that, Miss Limon, that you listened to us even on the on the one to one issue. When we came to you regarding the lighthouse for the blind initiative, uh, that kind of died off, unfortunately, because I think it would have been more, like, progressed more if you were still in office. Because as of today, it's kind of 
not existent anymore. That's shameful. And, and that's really a shame. You know, I, I did take um, I did take the time to travel to San Antonio and actually visit the Lighthouse for the Blind. What a fantastic, mm-hmm. what a fantastic opportunity there is. And so I got to go in. I got to see the products that they were producing, got to, uh, you know, visit with employees. And the lady who is the director was ready to hop on a plane if there could be an agreement to have um, an organization, the Lighthouse of the Blind, for the blind here. Because she knows that there's a lot of contracts that can come about with the expansion. And and so, un- unfortunately, um, we weren't able to push it all the way through. But, you know, if you really think about it, it really wasn't just an ADA issue. It wasn't an accessibility issue. It was an economic issue. I mean, if people had really thought about it, this was a way to garner all these um, employment opportunities at good wages, not even at seven twenty-five. You know, and and I I feel very strongly that when people work, um, there's a certain amount of pride in what they do, and I walked through there, and it was it was almost like a family. You know, it was a family environment at the Lighthouse for the Blind, and I'm just real sorry that it didn't pro- progress. But, you know, maybe we're one step back today, but give it some time, and we might take two forward. I uh, very strongly uh, spoke to Shane Mattingly about it and said, you know, hey, I'm I'm willing to to volunteer and work with you guys to make sure that we get that going. So today we're one back. Tomorrow you may be two steps ahead. Keep it in mind. And, and Mike Palamad, I don't know if you remember that gentleman. Yes, I do. Yeah, I he, he was supposed to be here, but he got sick. He had a real bad comment this morning. I'm like, you know what, don't even show up. But me and him have been talking about, and others, about really like how you said. It might be a setback now, but we'll, we'll let it sit, and then we're going to approach it later. And like you were saying, Ms. Limon, people with disabilities, our population is very high unemployment. What does that contribute to for us to be, number one, on social services like Medicaid, food stamps, and we don't contribute to the tax base. And when you hire people with disabilities like the Lighthouse, would, it would take us off those social services and then put us in a position where we can contribute economically to, the, to society. Yes. And that's where I don't understand where the city, the community leaders, uh, like the mayor, the new mayor, city manager, doesn't really emphasize that the hiring of people with disabilities within the city. But yet... The Lighthouse, just to let everyone, our listeners know, the Lighthouse is type of facility, uh, and the one in Austin or San Antonio is pretty big, right? It's huge. It's huge. It's huge. And it has what it does, that type of facility that has employment for persons with disability, and it has also contracts, um, like state and federal, right, ma'am? Yes, they do. And they also have rehab, vocational training. So that type of facility would be perfect here in El Paso, because ours, unfortunately, disappeared, what, two years ago. And like I said, Ms. Limon, like always, you step forward uh, with that initiative to help us with the city. Because we did reach out to the others, by the way. We did, we did reach out to the others and kind of with a deaf ear. So another thing you're trying to help us with, too, was um, disabled parking. Oh, yeah. The mobility parking. Yeah, the, the parking mobility issue has certainly been something that that is so frustrating. Um, I, I think that when you see someone uh, using a, um, a space... But you know that the the card, the placard that they're using, uh, belongs to the husband. 
but doesn't apply to the wife. So the wife goes shopping and then uses one of those spaces because she's got the placard. You know, I think that that is... It's, it's, it's unconscionable. And like me, when I'm being visually impaired, and people say, why don't you get a placard? Well, you know what? I don't need it. I can walk. I can yeah. walk to where I need to do Trust me, I need to walk. But the point is that you're right, Ms. Limon, and that where it comes where disability awareness comes into play where we can educate the, the, the society, hopefully through this kind of dialogue, uh, what it means to when you park in a disabled parking that's not meant or is not for you. It's meant for someone that really has a disability that has to be in the, in the wheelchair that needs to get out to their van. So, like I said, Ms. Limon, I mean, you do really step up to the base. I really appreciate that. But the first of all, I want you to say, what, what's your perspective now that you've been through the government and now that you're, you know, a retired uh, city rat, what's your perspective on accessibility? Well, accessibility will continue to be a top issue within the city. One of the things that that I was very concerned about was the issue of not moving forward with ensuring that accessibility issues are covered. Let me give you the example. So there was a restaurant and it closed down and now it opens up again. That restaurant does not have to meet ADA accessibility issues unless they're doing some remodeling. And my focus was, no, if a restaurant closes down, the facility closes down, and a new one comes up, then they need to meet the ADA accessibility issues that we have. It is only by doing that. Unfortunately, that might be someone with with heart kind of thinking. And you're going up against someone with money and someone who says, no, if we if we force people to do this, they're not going to open up these restaurants. Well, we're making it easy for them. You know, we're saying, okay, open up the restaurant. You don't have to meet ADA accessibilities because we're going to grandfather the building. I yeah. say no more grandfathering because we're never going to get to that point where we have full accessibility if we don't take the bull by the horns. And I brought that up, and I wanted that to be an issue, and it was just kept pushing off the table and pushing off the table. And it was, unfortunately, many times the chambers are looking after their members who are business people, and that's what they represent. They represent business. They don't represent the people. And so we're seeing it from opposite angles. They're looking out for what's good for the, you know, the businessman or woman, and we're looking at the issues of accessibility. For two years, Ms. Limon, two years I've been trying to reach out to uh, the president for the El Paso Restaurant Association so we could go into their meetings and educate their owners. But yet, like you say, I think they're afraid of the economics. They're not really thinking of what's the law. And unfortunately, that kind of hinders our process to be more inclusive into society. Because a lot of times, business owners will look at that money instead of seeing instead of seeing the human side of it. And that's where individuals like you, Ms. Limon, something like that is very important. Because I'm going to explain to the listeners. Ms. Limon was saying that, for example, if a restaurant is a restaurant for 40 years, guess what? They don't have to be compliant until that certificate of occupancy has changed, maybe to a barbershop, or then that will trigger. So what, what, what you're trying to do, man, makes sense. 
but yet it didn't pass. That's what it I mean. didn't. And and it's you know it's again it's the business. It's it's the money. Mm. You know, money talks in these cases. But you know, your idea, George, of visiting with the restaurant association, I think it's a very valid. And people need to understand. I remember distinctly one time getting a, a message from you, and you were concerned because the McDonald's on Saragossa. Yeah that on the ramp the, the the pavement was getting kind of pitted and what have you and so I reached out to Richard Castro and he I mean he said my goodness um yeah it'll get done and it did it got done very very quickly uh, you know and Richard said I'm friends with them he said, they can just call me. Make sure that they just call me. See, that's a friend. Yes. Um, he knows how important full accessibility is for his business. And so he took care of the issue, whereas other people may hide from the issues that are up ahead. And actually, Ms. Limon, every time I reached out to you by email or whatnot, you were always quick to respond to not only me but to others. And I know from that McDonald's situation, Listeners, she's that same day or not the next day you responded, and I'm like, wow. So that just shows who you are, Miss Limon. Not you're a politician, yes, but you know what? You have other things to do. You could have said, you know what? I let my representative, I let my uh, assistant handle this, but you actually called. Oh yeah, yeah. And that's yeah. what I'm trying to show that there are politicians out there, former city reps that do care, and uh, unfortunately, you were not extended. Your uh, your chance to be back on the city council, but have you ever thought of going back to maybe a mayor or something? <laughs> Not at this that. time. No, no okay. I think that at this time the come best on, thing that I'm on. doing is just really enjoying life. Like I said, I took a really good three three week vacation. I hadn't done that since the 70s and took a three week vacation. Just really enjoyed it. Doing a lot of traveling, uh, those kinds of things. Art. You know, take an art class at UTEP. Oh, life is really good. I bet, you know, yeah. not that I'm not concerned. I am concerned. I'm very focused on what's happening with Duranguito. I'm very focused with what's happening at Lincoln Center, uh, the Mexican-American Cultural Center, you know, all the top issues. And I'm also concerned. I'm, I'm I, you know, I've got my eye on, on the Children's Museum. I want to make sure that it really is a top-notch uh, facility. And so... Um, George, you know, I'm as close as a phone call, an yes, email, Facebook. You know how to reach me, and I'm always available. You're on Facebook. What's your – people find you on Facebook, right? Right. Lily yeah. Limon on Lily Facebook, Limon. yes. Yeah. So, And she's very approachable. She, folks out there, listeners, you have an issue. Uh, I know you have contacts, Miss Limon, and reach out to her, and she'll help. I mean, she really will. See, when you're a politician, you have your duties, and we've talked to many of you, know that, Ms. Limon. Yes. And just recently, we had talked to all the, the new city reps. And some of them don't get it. And it's rare that you find that one that really like, understands what you did and the mayor. So hopefully, if you ever go back into politics, you, you have our support. You know oh, that. well, thank you very much. <laughs> thank you very mm-hmm. much. So You'll hear the music. Okay. So we're going to go ahead and break uh, for a little bit. Oh, we still have time. I'm sorry. Uh, see, what happens... What happens, folks? Uh, Abel's showing me signs, and I can't see him, so que pues, Abel. Literally. But, sorry, I'm sorry. So do you have any like, fundraiser? I think you had a fundraiser going on or something, didn't you? No, no, no. No, I, no I'm, I'm done. I, thank God I'm done with that, with that business. I am just like, like I tell you, looking at a, a variety of activities, the, the Mexican-American Cultural Center, uh, Lincoln Center. Lincoln Center has a very special place in my heart, and I, I really think that within the next few months we might have a very good announcement of what's coming up and and uh, just is that the one that they wanted to raise what 20, uh, yes. 20 million dollars no, it, no it's the one they wanted to knock down and I'll tell you oh. what if it had been for Mayor Leeser 
who tendered a restraining order, that building would be demolished. It would have been demolished, today. absolutely. I mean, it would have yep. been gone. I think, you know, Mayor Lisa was really instrumental in that. And so, and I see him every so often. We have breakfast. Okay. So I'll remind him that he needs to come on the show. Yes, so. ma'am, please. I know he's busy. I know he's a busy I man, know but. he is. I think he's even out of town. He had a wedding coming up this weekend that he was headed to. And so, but he's, he's, a, he's, he's a dear friend. Do you still communicate with former? former He's members? a dear friend of mine. Do you still communicate with other members or not? Uh, not with other members on council uh, because you're not allowed to. But oh, you're not? no, oh, no, you're okay. you're restricted from talking to them. So. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Well, we could talk to you anyways, right? You can always talk to me. I have no restrictions. <laughs> Thank God, well, I'm Ms. not Vimon, in this government anymore. I, I do want to tell you, you're always welcome to come on the show, Miss Vimon, because uh, you 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 have many things to offer to our listeners regarding. Uh, topics that are relevant within the city, from the Chicanos. Uh, what, was, what was the name of the, of the facility? You the Mexican American Cultural Center, the MAC. Okay. Let's just call it the MAC. The MAC, okay. There you go. And to even piece things with accessibility, because you you also helped with us with the lift. With the oh yeah. Oh boy, did we ever? Yeah. We had a lot of issues, and you know what? Thank God we we were able to make some changes. You might recall the lady that was in charge before. Yes. It was not a good working relationship, and oh, and thus uh, you know we were able to bring about that change. Having Julio Perez on uh, really helped out a lot. We went through several accessibility coordinators, right? Yes. Until Julio kind of stepped into the place, and and so uh, we certainly found someone that had a little bit of heart, and and that was a better working relationship uh, there were horror stories that we went through yes. george and, and, <laughs> and thank god that those are those are over or or not as frequent yes, ma'am. as they were i think um, accessibility issues were like on my top plate there in the beginning because there were so many issues so many concerns and um thanks to you know the funding that was available or a whole bunch of curb cuts but we need to do more. Yes, I mean, ma'am. we're not finished. That oh. was only scratching the surface. Well, Ms. Limon, I want to tell our listeners, too, that back in uh, two years ago, más o menos, uh, Ms. Limon uh, was one of those champions that when we asked for funding for the yep. on-demand program, you were there. Yep. And actually, the, the city, which hasn't done in many years before before you, Ms. Limon, they allocated 500000 this year or last year and this year. So you, Ms. Ms. Limon, have really made an impact, which you don't know. Uh, and we appreciate that because those $500,000 may seem a lot to some people, but that makes life changes for people that want to pro- navigate the city. Yeah. And with that kind, of, that kind of funding, with that kind of heart, that's impossible. So that's one thing, Mr. Limon, that we really want to appreciate for you. Well, thank it. you. I, you know, I hope never to see someone in a wheelchair on Carolina on the street. Uh, you know, that is such a – in the night. And that is so scary, and, and we really need people to acknowledge and understand what our people are going through when they have to go on. You know, before streets. we leave, I want to applaud you, Miss Limon. I want to do this on this. Yeah, 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 I want to applaud you for that. What you did, the, the name of change for that park. The, oh, the, Officer David Ortiz. Thank you, ma'am. That was really awesome. Uh, yeah, it's it. You know, the family is an incredible family. A young man who gave up his life. He was killed in a cowardly act. Yes, ma'am. And uh, we we just don't want that to ever be forgotten. And so we will continue to honor the name of Officer David Amen. Ortiz. Yes, thank you for that, Miss Limon. Well, of course, this is uh, Miss Lily Limon. Miss Limon, you're always welcome to come back. This half an hour went quick. Wow, it that was did. quick. And so, everyone, we'll come back to after break. And this is Accessibility Corner on Dialogue Radio Network. I'm J. 
Jessica Klute, attorney at law. The law firm of Stephanie Townsend Ayala and Associates specializes in estate planning, probate, trusts, wills, powers of attorney, nursing home advocacy, Medicaid planning, and guardianships. I'm Stephanie Townsend Ayala. Our attorneys, including Jennifer Coulter, my daughter Jessica, and I, are University of Texas Law School graduates. Jessica and I are also proud second and third generation University of Texas grads. Call the law firm of Stephanie Townsend Ayala at 533-0007. Corner here on Dialogue Radio Network. And Abel, I like that music. I need a copy of that. That is some awesome music. It really is. So I hope everyone enjoyed our interview with Ms. Lily Limon, retired city representative for District 7. And today, in the second part, we're going to have, we're honored actually to have Mr. David Navarez. And uh, he's uh, really, we're going to talk about two things about post traumatic syndrome and also the initiative he's doing with the National 
of Desert Storm Memorial. So first of all, hello, Mr. Nevadas. How you doing, hey, sir? George, how are you? Pretty good, good sir. Afternoon. Can you just give everyone a background on yourself, sir, please? My background, well, I spent 10 years in the Marine Corps. Uh, I'm a Desert Storm veteran. Um, 27 years ago, I was involved in Desert Storm. I was part of 5th Marine Regiment. Um, I will, I'm the former chair of the Veterans Affairs Advisory Committee, Cedar El Paso. I'm a veterans advocate. Um, activist somebody puts me in that light and you know that's pretty much what i do 24 7 um and that's about it i know you're quite busy i'm, I'm everywhere, I'm everywhere. you know I'm, I'm helping right now i'm helping some family that's been displaced from harvey and, and getting them the things that they need you know and so you're so you're from that area, aren't you? I'm from that area. I'm from, from uh, I was raised in Victoria, Texas. I graduated in '83 from Stroman High School. Victoria, that's when the city was hit, right? Yes. Oh wow! Yes, yes, yes. yes. You know, a lot of family were right around the eye wall, and, and some of them, some of them lost homes and so on. Oh, and wow, so I'm sorry forth. Hear that, so well, you know, we help each other out, and I was able to get some funds together and a few convoys of, of supplies down there, awesome. and, Thank and, you. and and we're you know we're holding on, you know, we're doing good. Well, before we continue on, before we forget, I want to say, first of all, thank you for your service to our country because uh, people like you are, to have the, the gusto to volunteer. I appreciate that. Especially well, it's been in my blood. War. It's been in my blood since the Mexican-American War. Really? We've been in uniform, yeah. That's when they were around. So that's yeah, cool. probably. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, first, well, a friend of mine, uh, Mr. Mike Palamay, was going to be here to, to co-host, but he wasn't able to be here. But he had some questions, and later on, maybe we could step in okay. with those questions. But... Um, First of all, we want to talk about something that really impacts a lot of soldiers leaving. And I know for a fact that one of my nieces is affected by this is uh, post-traumatic syndrome. Right. And well, and uh, people don't realize that's actually a disability. It is. And how did, from you, from your experience, I mean, uh, what would you say in your experience? Well, as far as what, uh, if you want to talk about the way I was discharged out, you know, you go through... A checklist of when you're checking out and after desert storm there really wasn't anything in place as far as a mental checkup my mental checkup went like this oh I you know the doctor saw that I was a plumber and saw that I was in a conflict and I saw some action he says well you're a construction worker go back to construction you'll be all right wow so you're just you know I I, I had to do my own research my own rehab and I, I i had to create my own my own things you know um so that's changed from now or yeah it's changed it's, okay. it's, it's more thorough uh in some aspects you have uh you have a the wounded warrior regiment out here in fort bliss and they do a job they they do their job they identify the needs of the soldiers as, as well as the marine corps when they, everybody has this check out check out procedure and you do have a mental health checkout and um, and you do go to the VA to begin the process of of getting your benefits and getting your diagnosis. Do you have do you have veterans reaching out to you? I have quite a few veterans at times reaching out to me, and they want to know who to talk to, how to get their things done. And I usually I lean on about four veteran. With let me explain this, within the veteran service organizations of VFW, American Legion, and all that. There's these individuals called veteran service officers, and they work benefits. Okay. You do have benefits counsel, counselors at the VA, but it's very generic, you know. Um, 
But can, can someone, can, is it okay if we get out your contact permission? Do you yeah. Okay, yeah, go yeah. ahead and give your phone number. My phone number is 915-407-0826. Now, like I said, there's about four different individuals that I lean on and I direct them to. Uh, one of my favorite guys is Ron Holmes out of American Legion Post 58. Uh, he's done over 5,000 claims. He used to work for former Congressman Reyes. He has about a 98% success rate. Really? Uh, there's Virginia Molina, a really great gal. Uh, she has deep connections in the VA. She'll do the VA um, the VA uh, video conference with them. Now, so, here in El Paso, um, I know there's a VA, of course, right. but do you know if there's any that support? System down there, there? there is a uh, uh, peer support groups. There's uh, there's um oh my god UB, UBH that helps out. And there's there's other non clinical environments. Uh, I'm a big fan of a veterans nonprofit. Stephen Mills does uh, peer support there out of his place uh, where the old headstands used to be. You know, a lot of veterans are very apprehensive to like lab coats and talking to a doc, so they prefer talking to somebody just in regular street clothes and, and getting their issues out that way. For you coming, because like me, not being you know, never in the military, and I wish I would have, right? But mm. when you come out of the military, you know, when you came out yourself, yeah. how what was the process? How long did it take to, to activate to the society? It took me a good, I don't know, a sense of normalcy almost took me about five years. Because, really? you know, I understand you're living in a structured lifestyle. You're being told what to wear, when to eat, where to go. You have hey, to wait be, a minute. My wife does that. Oh, no, no. <laughs> no, yeah. Let's just say, <laughs> yeah. You, you, and then, you know, couple that. You know, it's a stressful environment. And then couple that coming out of a, a traumatic event like a war or or a shooting incident or. Because you were in You were in actual I, Iraq I, I was in, Kuwait. I was in Kuwait. I got as far as, uh, as Tikrit. And prior to that, I was involved in a couple of skirmishers before that as, you know. Uh, really? As wow. post security, you know, at, a, at, a, at like an early age, 19, 20 years old. So as, that, what you experienced, you can't capture it on TV or, you know. No. So what you lived through, nobody can really experience my it. My experience can, my traumatic experience can vary from somebody else's perspective. Mm. You know, not That's everybody's true. all the same, you know. I can see, though, what happened to me. And somebody else could see what happened to me and ha- have a totally different story. Amen to that. Yeah. You know, it's kind of funny you say that, not to compare well, by no by no means, but like someone that's like myself that's blind, I tell you, I'll tell someone my perspective, and they will really get it until you know, like you say, you walk in those shoes. Yeah. But my lord, you volunteered. Yeah. That's the biggest thing in the world. I appreciate that. I volunteer, and I have some serious injuries. I have a thirty millimeter plate below my left leg. I have a right knee replacement. Uh, I walked around with a piece of shrapnel in my shoulder for about 10, 12 years before it worked itself out. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What do you mean it worked itself out? uh, I left it in. It was about as long as a bobby pin. Uh, What happened, there was an incident where uh, a mine exploded, and the guy next to me lost lost part of his foot and, and, and and his other foot. And I didn't realize what was going on. I got him to the aid station. And then I got him to the aid station, and then when I got to uh, our rear area, you know, you're so full of adrenaline, and you just want to get the job done. And, you know, and, and my job, I understand what my job is. My job is logistics. Okay. Um, you know, uh, every Marine's a rifleman, but I exceeded that. I learned how to do machine gunnery. Because the Marines know, are always the first to go in, yeah, right? Yeah, you're always, a, every, every Marine's a basic rifleman. You know how to shoot your weapon. You know how other weapon systems work, and I made sure I was a I made sure I was I was quite efficient with that, but oh, wow. you know the, the 
you know, end of the story, you know, got to my rear area and pull open my flak, and there's just blood, you know, from my armpits running down to my hip. I didn't know what the heck was going on, and I'm in it, and then uh, get medevac to a ship. Doctor says, well, we can leave it in, or we can try to dig it out, but you may not have use of your left arm. So mm-hmm. uh, we'll just leave it in. A lot of veterans done that, you know. One of our legendary generals, General Puller, had shrapnel in almost as big as calf muscle. Really? In. Yeah. A lot of uh, Confederate that's... soldiers. A lot of a lot of you know a lot of us just leave it in, you know. And people don't realize it's just now you're telling me being in the military really has dramatic impact to someone that we don't as a citizen that right. normal. We don't realize that, and I, like I said, I keep saying it. I appreciate what you've done. Yeah. No, you know, I, I take it. You know, serving your country and, and serving your community all works hand in hand. Everywhere I've been, I, I've served my community: El Toro, to Japan, Korea, Philippines. I, I've, I've always reached out to individuals, orphanages, burn units, cancer units, whatever. I know yeah. you're active. I, I amen to that. I see you on mm-hmm. Facebook. I think my wife. You have two questions. Mom? Yes, yeah. I do. Introduce your wife correctly. Oh, sorry, Miss Alerta. My wife. She's uh, Ms. Lourdes Laders Fernandez. You can find her on Facebook. Uh, she's a uh, smart. She's a brain in the family. So I'm the looks. And, uh, <laughs> and she's a caregiver. Right. She's, a, she's also a PCA. She's a personal yes. care attendant. Yes, I am. She, she knows the perspective of, of helping those that are that are just have a disability. So and also appreciate you know she does she goes through a lot too, but not of course not in the military. But, uh, dealing no, with but me, those, those caregivers that are out there really don't get the recognition they need, and a lot of caregivers in the VA got their checks pulled. Really? Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, wow. Really? I didn't yeah. know that. Oh, wow. Well, I've heard a lot of, you know, I there's don't mean to jump in, there's George, an individual, There's an individual you need to get on here named Lolita Lewis. I, I've, She's I, a caregiver. But I've also heard uh-huh. that uh, caregivers that deal with veterans are sometimes not, uh, not, yeah. as, not as good as they could be. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, there was a story, wasn't there, uh, in a newspaper where this gentleman, um, he was like uh, two days or a day, he was an LKBIA that he was out without a PCA. And right. I'm like, you know, veterans, Yeah. you know, they, that's something They're the that, ones that needed the PCA. Yeah, I mean, because I, like, wow. I met a gentleman, Mr. Nevada, that he was in the tank. Mm-hmm. He was in Afghanistan and a, and a, and a bomb. What do you call the improvised? Um, IEDs. IED. He got, the, the tank got hit and he bought in an instant. In an instant, he lost both of his eyes. Mm-hmm. So now he's blind. And he, he still does marathon. He does, yeah. st- I mean, you name it. But what, what, before okay. we go further, the questions. The, okay, the questions. Mr. Navarro. Nevarez. Nevarez, I'm sorry. Nevarez. First and foremost, thank you very much, sir, for your service to our country. You're welcome. Thank you so much. My first question to you, sir. Do you see our country and our present administration turning a blind eye to our veterans with PTSD? I... I see our country making an effort, and it's getting stifled up on the hill for whatever reason, whether it's a lobbyist or whether it's, it's Shulkin or, or whoever. You know, there's not enough uh, reaching across the aisle to get things done uh, within it. Well, not only PCSD, but, but veterans' causes in general. And, and, and until we get to that point, you know, uh, I don't see the vet, uh, VA improving as far as mental health goes. As far as treating our um, service-connected disability uh, veterans, I don't, I don't see it going much farther than what's going now. Uh, we haven't seen uh, a cost of living increase in about four or five years now, and that was only a dollar 
Okay. You know? Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, before I forget, Mr. Valdez, if you want, we could uh, give you contact information. It's called the Texas, um, the Texas Personal Care Attendant of mm -hmm. Texas. And if you want to give the contact information, because they also deal with <coughs> those uh, people that are attendants do a lot. Yes, they, they make do. people with disabilities more inclusive into society and veterans. Yeah. And they don't get paid enough. They don't get vacations. No, don't. They don't get holidays yeah. like my wife. No, um, they get two hours a day. Mm -hmm. And especially our veterans, I think our veterans deserve more than that, to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. yeah. you. And, uh, but I'm sorry, I'll cut, I'll cut into you. you have yes, you do. My second <laughs> question, you're going to get it home. Okay. <laughs> my second question, Mr. Nevarez. What do you think in our little corner of the world here in El Paso and members of the disabilities community, what can we do and help veterans with PTSD? Um, uh, tend, um, there's a little bit, well, I, like I said, I lean a lot on Stephen Mills at Veterans Nonprofit. He can get you in touch of, uh, the Veterans Peer Network here, uh, in El Paso. Uh, UBH can also direct you in that and, and get the, uh, the specific training or classes. That way, you know, you can get more veterans out there and get the word spread out. Um, I, I think a lot Veterans talk to veterans mm. a lot. Um, there's veterans that call me two, three in the morning and want to talk through their issues. And okay, fine, we'll do this. And I have no problem doing it. And I'm talking. They could. They can call me from Hawaii to Afghanistan, Japan, or even if it's FaceTime, whatever. And you know, I'm, I'm on the line. You know. Uh, and your contact information, just for my listening. contact. My yeah. contact information is nine one five four zero seven zero eight two six. I know you guys. There's guys out there that have issues. Uh, we have twenty two veterans a day committing suicide. Some of them even on VA property. You know. Really. Yeah. Oh, wow. You know, they, they get fed up with the system and not getting the treatment we need. You know, there was even um, a veteran that hasn't been, that wasn't seen uh, by behavioral health here locally for over 90 days and he committed suicide. Oh, what's a shame. That you know, really and, is. And, and, you know, and, and the, I forget the lady's name, but he's, she's always at Bethel's uh, town halls, whether it's a veteran town hall or a regular town hall. But, you know, these are issues that, that we, don't, we don't address, you know. We'll never get a resolution. Um, I know there's an individual, uh, Mr. Bill Sparks, president of Veterans Business Association. There's a dentist store vet out in the county somewhere like a hermit. You know, he don't want help. He doesn't want to do this. He, you know, he, he just wants to live in his little, oh, little, yeah. in his little bubble out in the desert, and we're trying to get him the help he needs. And, and, I, and that's even once in a while. We people with disabilities, especially that there are recent uh, developer disabilities, in some ways sometimes it, it happens. Right. It happened to me. I didn't want to talk to no one. I wanted to stay in the room. And so right. eventually you, 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 you will reach it. I trust, trust me, right. you will, sir. And, but I also want to talk about your, your national um, Desert Storm uh, Memorial. Right. Um, tell us about that. I'm one of the many fundraisers in uh, National Desert Storm War Memorial. Um, there's about six, eight of us here in the state of Texas that are doing fundraisers uh, for the memorial. Uh, early this March, uh, a joint resolution was signed by our president on, on St. Patrick's Day. And we should have the site we're looking at is uh, 23rd and Constitution in Washington, D.C. And if you're looking at the Jefferson Memorial head-on, it's to the right corner. That's our primary site. The second secondary site's across the Potomac. Um, me, what I'm doing here, I'm in talks with Butterfield Trail uh, to bring a PGA Pro-Am. Uh, I got a quote 
uh, from uh, Mr. Krebs, the general manager, and we're looking at the first weekend of September. Uh, I'm talking to businesses. I'm talking to banks to to secure the funds for this. Uh, how much is the memorial? Just uh, an idea. How much is that? The memorial itself is 25 million. Uh, we're looking at groundbreaking 2020. Uh, dedication 2021, uh, there was over 636,000 of us that served in Desert Storm. 636,000 Americans, uh, 383 KIA, uh, 29 were Texans, none of them were El Pasoans. Um, well, for my listeners, the, his contact information is on the Dialogue Radio Network. You go under con- guest contacts. And the reason I'm going to say this is because you do have a lot of fundraisers coming out. Yeah, right? I'm, I'm doing. Uh, I'm doing. The, we're doing the pro am uh, once we get the funding in place, and we're looking uh, at uh, some celebrities coming to town. Uh, some. You talking about a PGA tour? A PGA pro am. Really. We're talking. Oh, we're cool. talking. Uh, we'll be talking to Rich Beam, uh, uh, some of the top P, uh, some of the top golf, golfers in the nation. Uh, it'll be. It's looking like the first weekend of September, a Friday Saturday event. Um, 144 people both days. Uh, within our contacts and national, uh, at, with our War Memorial, our committee members, we can bring. We can bring pretty much whoever we want. That the, some of the the big names that that were in Desert Storm, uh, Secretary of Defense Mattis, Joint Chiefs of Staff, uh, the Bushes, right off the top of my head. Uh, personally, I want Arnold Schwarzenegger because he owes me one military aircraft. <laughs> well, t- talk about that. Talk uh, about that. Well, you know, my deal was logistics, and uh, before I left, uh, before I went on ship, uh, I put together the largest amphibious force in Korea. Uh, I was part of the logistical team. Uh, we put together 22 ships, 10,000 Marines and sailors, 349 aircraft. Arnold took one of our aircraft and threw gym equipment in there. You know, we, we had a saying, don't go to war without your Bowflex. <laughs> that is sad, you know. Really. But, but um, you know. What year uh, was it? This? this was 91. 90, 91. Before you uh, were coming here. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, you know, we left uh, – we left San Diego day after Thanksgiving, hit the Philippines a uh, day after Christmas, and got into the Gulf January 12th. That, so when your time, how long were you there in the actual Gulf area? Uh, from Actually, from January to the end of March. Okay. So... So what right now? How can we? If someone's listening. How much they want to help with the fundraiser? If, if people want to help, they can go to my Facebook page, Texas Desert Storm Veterans. Uh, you can call me direct nine one five four zero seven zero eight two six. Reach out to me on Gmail t x m a r i n e eight two nine two at Gmail. Um, you have you you you're, you're doing like enchiladas. You're doing. Uh, I'm doing. I'm looking for people who want to do spaghetti dinners, enchilada dinners. Um, because right now I'm just a one-man show, uh, and I'm looking for other individuals to help. Um, I'm working. I'll be talking to Applebee's as soon as I'm able to catch my breath to do like a pancake <laughs> breakfast. You know, to do a pancake breakfast, uh, I want to get uh, the Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts involved, um, guest uh, waiters like uh, Commissioner De Leon, uh, Commissioner Leon, who I talked to this morning, is interested. Uh, uh, probably some other notables uh, as well uh, with in the city really that uh, is me it was, yeah, yeah. it's just gonna sound kind of weird but for someone that's visually impaired or blind like myself the, well we're gonna go on a break you're gonna stay sure. right yeah. we're gonna go on a break we're here on the accessibility corner here on dialogue radio network brought to you by Zephy Talvin I'll go ahead and come back right after this break 
I'm Stephanie Townsend Iala. At the law firm of Stephanie Townsend Iala and Associates, our attorneys, including Jennifer Coulter and my own daughter, Jessica Clute, fight for the nursing home and home health care rights of the elderly and disabled. I'm attorney Jessica Clute. The law firm of Stephanie Townsend Iala also specializes in estate planning, probate, trusts, wills, powers of attorney, nursing home advocacy, Medicaid asset protection, and guardianships. Call us at 533-0007. You're listening to the Accessibility Corner with George Zavala. And welcome back here to the Accessibility Corner once again here on Dialogue Radio Network. And again, you want to get contact information from Ms. Limon or even Mr. Lavares, you go to the www.dialogep.com. You can find our podcast that will be put on later today. Today, or I'm sorry, whenever. I'm sorry. I'm rushing him. Come on now. By the way, before we start, Mr. Abel, I want you to announce, please, can you your show this Thursday, Saturday? Yeah, we'll be doing our first uh, dialogue uh, radio show. Been off for a while, and we'll be doing it. Hector Montes will be joining me, and joining me, and we're going from nine to eleven. Uh, we used to be on from seven to nine, but we're going to go nine to eleven, and we're going to have uh, the regular antics that we do uh, and all the crazy stuff, and of course. La política, la política, la política. <laughs> you, you had it early. You had it on too early. I'm like, this is too early. Yeah. All right. So, but um, I was going to ask you the, the question about um, for those who are visually impaired or blind, Mr. Levada, how would that memorial look like? Well, if you're able to see somewhat and you know what a comma looks like, that that demonstrates the sweeping action of our, our forces as when, when a desert storm kicked off. Um, what happened was, in order, what happened was we looked like we we're going to go in one direction. Uh, Iraqi forces uh, counter or had their defenses up ready for that, and we just swept around them. And that amphibious force itself, we positioned ourselves. It was positioned on the coast. Uh, by the time that happened, ours already part of the forward element of 5th Marines. Ours already on the ground. And what that happened, that spread out Iraqi forces really thin. We was able to get in behind them and uh, and really cut them off from their logistical chain. Uh, the desert, the war itself was 100 hours. The air war prior to us was 100 days. 100 days, wow. But you, how long were you in combat? Uh, myself, I was in theater from officially from January 12th to the end of March of 91. That's when you got hurt, right? Uh, yeah. So Around that, I, I don't remember the day. Everything to me was a blur. You know, it, it was... I don't know. We trained so long to go to a desert environment, and when it was actually happening, to me, it felt like a training exercise, the way everything went down. Really? We practiced for it for so long. I remember when I could see back in 91, and I just remember that the, the image of – did men, did soldiers actually walk up to you guys? Like, yeah, they were surrendering left and right. They surrendered to what would now be drones, I guess. You know, uh, they would surrender to helicopters. They would surrender to whatever, you know, piece of equipment. And you got to understand these guys were practically starved to get death uh, because they were so strung out from their supply. Uh, there were some of these guys were full of lice. Uh, really? Um, very extremely unkept. Um, How about the weather? I just, the weather, I the mean, weather was, I don't know, to me, I, 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 I remember it being in the 50s and 60s, and then uh, whenever they started burning the, the oil wells, to me, the sense to us was it was nuclear winter. Somebody somebody set off a nuclear device. Really? Because you, you would have a clear day, and then the wind would shift, and it'd be like you're inside a planetarium. 
Dark. And that's because the Iraqi forces were doing that, right? Right. To, to sabotage the, the oils. Right. Yeah, I right. remember that. I remember my history a little right. bit. And, <laughs> you know, those of you who are suffering effects of uh, Desert Storm or Gulf War Syndrome, research uh, an article called The Plume. It has a listing of all the units that was there. If you're a part, if you're in The Plume like I was, you are, you are entitled or you can start benefits uh, with specific ailments to that uh, to that uh, incident. See, that's what it's important, folks, uh, for, for my listeners. To reach out to Mr. Novales. Can they, you can do it on Facebook too, right, sir? Yeah. Reach yeah. out to Mr. Novales. He's a wealth of information, especially for our veterans, because you know, at the end of the day, they did volunteer to serve. Right. And you did not volunteer to have the PSD. So, how is that right now, sir? How are you? What the four syndrome or my or my incident or my oh, yeah, stuff? yours. My stuff is. I don't know. I filed. I started filing my claims in '98, and I finally, I'm 100% individual unemployable. I should be fully unemployable after December because of my ailment, because of my mostly from my injuries, okay. uh, from from my legs and my hips, and and you know it's it's causing problems with my hips and and my lower back. I have spinal stenosis. I have one hip that's fused in place on my left side, and. So it kind of it looks. I look like a weeble, but uh, who cares? Hey, as long as you're okay, you can walk. And you're yeah. and now you're all over. Like the other day, I saw you in the morning. You were at Walmart, and then later on in the day, I'm like, wow, this man's just all over the place. I move. Well, I'm tired. You know, I'm. I've been active before. I was a plumber. Uh, I, my family there were ranch hands, farm hands, so I'm, I'm used to being busy. Yes, I don't like idle time on the couch you know and you're a plumber can you give a little history on that you're a plumber uh, my, my family's it's in my family's blood uh we've been plumbing since the 40s uh i'm a sixth generation plumber the seventh generation plumber in our family has a business in san antonio core plumbing k-o-r-e um and he's just you know i'm very proud of this young man you know he, he's, he's he's my great nephew uh frank kiros and and he's getting it done you know um he's he's taking the business only in places that you know my dad and my uncle would only dream about you know but the thing that's here in el paso that i do appreciate mr Nevada is that you're making that effort for the national desert storm memorial right because we can't and i'm not going to go there with the statues and whatnot but we can't forget our history. No, we can't. We can't. That, our history, in my opinion, kind of just describes what's going on now. And if we don't know the history, you don't know your experience, Mr. Nevada, what you've done, how you served, how you got injured, then we don't really appreciate who you are. Well, we saw what happened in uh, the Capitol with uh, our history books. They were trying to erase big chunks of what's been happening. And, and you know, just to, among the veteran community itself, not my just my era, you have um, – Korea, World War II vets, Vietnam vets that, that are just walking legacies or yep. history books and we don't tap into their information. I have my, mom, I have my uncle's friend was telling me stories this is years, years ago about Vietnam and what he experienced and I'm like wow and then you know so we, like I said we don't really appreciate what you do right? when you volunteer when, when, did, you start, when did you start your service in 81? Uh, I went in uh, in 82 on a, well I, I went in a year prior uh, we had delayed entry program so I was still in high school I was a junior in high school so you were straight from high school then? yeah uh, my oh, parents had cool. to sign for me you know my dad was like you sure you want to do this and yeah I want to do it yeah. and especially yeah. I mean yeah, he was he was army he was pushing me off and I no I don't want to stay in Texas or go to Germany I want to see the world and blah 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 and like you said your history goes back what 100 years you we said, go right? back uh, the Mexican-American War we have family 
family fought on both sides of, of, of the Mexican-American War. A lot of our family members that fought on the Mexican side originate from Jalisco. And a lot of veterans that you will, you will validate this, a lot of veterans do come out from the military with, with disabilities. Yeah, we do. So, Mr. Novarez, uh, we're coming to the end of our great show. I want to appreciate and applaud your uh, your willingness to do this for the National Anytime. Memorial. I'm always available, guys. You know, if you want to talk about whether it's veterans issues, you want to talk about... Yes, reach out to Mr. Novarez. Stuff that's going on in the city, let him reach out. As you can see, he's very approachable, very nice gentleman. And, of course, again, thank you for your service, sir. Thank you so much for that. No problem. Out there, you know, our fellow veterans. veterans. You're all welcome to come back, sir, whenever you want. Anytime. I mean, this door is open to you. Uh, Not to Abel, but just to you, okay? (laughs) So, everyone, we're going to be back on September 21st. Our uh, guest will be Ms. Lucia Dawson from La Paso, La, La Familia del Paso. Uh, and then we're also going to have in the second half Miss Joy Acosta from Ballar talk about the program they have there, which is very useful. Mm-hmm. So again, folks, if you want to come onto the show or you want to talk about your topic, you can always reach out to me at 915-832-1200. Go to the website www.theaccessibilitycorner.com. There's a contact page there, and our podcast will also be available on dialogue um, yes dialogueep.com and the AccessibilityCorner.com. So we will see you again. And Abel, close it out for me, my friend, please. And God bless the USA. <laughs> and God bless the yes, USA. Close it out for De me. Watcho. Oops, let me go down here. De <laughs> <watcho raza. laughs>